Welcome to the Stolen Reality Podcast. This is where you belong. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. It is Wednesday. It's time for another episode. Hope you guys are having an awesome week. I am your host, Luke, and today we're going to be getting into some fun stuff. So, buckle up. But before we do that, I just want to say, like always, if you're enjoying the show, please spread the word. Please tell your friends. Um, if you are on a platform that allows you to do any sort of rating, please go on and give me a five-star rating. Like I always say, it really, really helps my show out. You know, I'm growing it as much as I can and, and doing everything I can to make it better all the time. Always making little adjustments. I'm still super, super early on to this. I'm not even two months in, so still learning a lot as I go. Hopefully the show is getting better. If you have any critiques, any advice, you want to tell me anything, you can always get a hold of me on stolenreality.com underneath the contacts page. Or, of course, you can just email me directly at luke at stolenreality.com. So, all that being said, that's my little promo. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into it already today, huh? So, in 2011, a treasure hunting team was out on the Baltic Sea between Sweden and Finland. And they were looking for treasure, because that's what they do, right? Sunken ships and things like that, or salvage team. And they started to find something kind of weird. So, as they were scanning the ground with the side scan sonar, they saw what looked like... Well, the Millennium Falcon, and <laughs> we're going to get into that in a minute. So they saw this anomaly, and they didn't know what was going on. They sent their rover down. And as they sent their rover down, they started having some weird things happen. As they got closer to it, and as they got over it, their compasses and all their electrical equipment started kind of going haywire and messing up. One of the crew of the expedition is quoted as saying, anything electrical out there, and the satellite phone as well, stopped working when we were above the object. And then we got away about 200 meters and it turned on again. And when we got back over the object, it didn't work. So they knew something funky was going on. This is the story of the Ocean X team and the Baltic Sea anomaly. So who is this Ocean X team and what did they find? Well. Ocean X is not the people you're going to find if you Google Ocean X team or if you Google Ocean X oceanography or anything like that. And I'm going to get into that at the end because that's going to play a big part into what might be going on here. But Ocean X team was founded by Dennis Asberg and Peter Lindbergh along with their expert diving team. And they've spent decades and decades out essentially hunting for treasure. I mean, these guys seem like some, <laughs> some really cool guys. They found all sorts of really cool stuff that you can find on their website once you can find their actual website, including one of their most impressive finds that they credit themselves with is 2,400 bottles of Heidsick and Company Monopole American Champagne. So they pulled uh, thousands of bottles of champagne out of this old shipwreck, and that was one of their original biggest finds that allowed them to auction them off for world record prices and be able to continue their expeditions. On top of that, they found all sorts of other shipwrecks and they're currently looking for some Fabergé eggs. I mean, they're, they're kind of this group of guys who hears about these legendary lost artifacts that are out in the sea and then they go out exploring for them. So they're kind of like the Indiana Jones or the Tomb Raiders of the ocean. So it seems like a pretty good gig, seems like some, some cool people. But in June 2011, they were out on the Baltic Sea looking for a shipwreck, like they do, and they picked this strange thing up on their sonar. And it was a 200-foot diameter circle at the bottom of the ocean with what looked like behind it a 1,000-foot drag mark, like it was drug across the sand. 
So this thing, and of course I'll have links up on my website where you can go to all the articles and see pictures of this, or you can just Google Baltic Sea Anomaly and, and see what it looks like, does not look, in my opinion, natural. And we're going to talk about at the end what this might be, but it looks like the Millennium Falcon. So it's not completely circular. At the end of it, it has kind of two points that come off of it. And the biggest crazy thing to me and to a lot of people is that it looks like it has steps leading up to it which again, we're gonna talk about here in a little bit. So they came back with this kind of grainy image of what they found and it starts hitting the newspapers and hitting the tabloids. And everybody starts saying, there's this UFO at the bottom of the ocean. This is where I first heard about it back in 2011. I've been uh, interested in this thing for a long time. So they were gathering funding and, and trying to figure out what was going on. And the world was kind of up and roar about maybe they found this thing at the bottom of the ocean and what could it be. And I remember at the time they had a website built where they were gathering funding and they were trying to make a documentary and get a bunch of people to back them so they could get the funding to go out and try to recover this thing or do more exploration on it. And that seems to have disappeared, which we'll, we'll maybe talk about why here in a little bit. But they did go back out in June of 2012. So they went back out and they gathered some samples from around the site. And while they were out there, they found some other weird things. They said that they found a second anomaly site, but they said that the images were a little too grainy on that one. I mean, these images on the original one are a little grainy because of the sonar that they were using. But they said that the second one was a little too grainy, so they didn't release those to the public. But they found a couple weird things. For one thing, they found circular rocks that looked like they were placed outside of the anomaly on the side of it. And there's, there's pictures of these online that I'll talk about in a little bit. But it's a ring of rocks in a circle that would be very tough for a natural formation to make. They also found a lot of weird things on the anomaly itself, like a triangle with a hole in the side and a place that looks like it is a raised platform with a square with a borehole down the middle of it. So while they were down there, they gathered some samples and they sent them off to be analyzed. So they sent them to Volker Bruchert, who's an associate professor of geology at the Stockholm University. Bruchert analyzed the samples, and what he came back is that they were mostly granite, gneissus, which I'm sure is a type of rock, and sandstone. But he also found a couple loose pieces of basaltic or volcanic rock, which is typical of a lot of the rocks on the site. And so his conclusion is that it was a natural formation formed at the end of the last ice age. And that's it. The end. That's the whole story. 2011, a group went out thinking they were going to find a shipwreck, and they ended up finding what, what they thought was an anomaly at the bottom of the ocean. And then they went and gathered some uh, samples from it and sent them off to a university. They did some tests. Turns out that it was a volcanic formation, and it was formed at the end of the last ice age. And deal done. Story closed, right? Well, of course not. I wouldn't be doing an episode if that was the end of it. But that is the narrative, and that's what's kind of been going on, is this thing made it into the news, and everybody was talking about how it might be this strange thing, and then after it got sent off to Stockholm University, it kind of faded away because everybody said, well, they, they came up with that it was made of natural rock. But I found a lot of really fun stuff getting into this one. So that was a quick little overview of what it is. Let's talk about what it might actually be. So first, let's talk about those samples that were sent in. So Volker Bruchert, who is the guy who took these and analyzed them, said, I was surprised when I researched the material, I found a great black stone that could be a volcanic rock. My hypothesis is that the object, this structure, was formed during the Ice Age many thousands of years ago. Because the whole northern Baltic region is so heavily influenced by glacial thawing processes, both the feature and the rock samples are likely to have formed in connection with the glacial and post-glacial processes. Possibly these rocks were transported there by the glaciers. 
So here's the problem with that. For one, a lot of the material that he found in that, like sandstone, does and can be used for construction. So saying that that is a natural structure that's built of sandstone, well, it could be, but also it's something that people use for construction. And if this happens to be a man-made or made by something artifact, which we're going to kind of get into the theories here in a second, um, you know, then that could go either way when we talk about the types of stone he found there. Also, something sitting at the bottom of the ocean for 11,000 or more years could get a lot of sediment and hardened rock on top of it. The biggest piece of evidence that he finds that says that it might be a natural formation is that piece of volcanic rock. But mind you, he found a piece of volcanic rock inside of all these samples. And here's the biggest kicker with all these samples. They didn't come from the anomaly themselves. So the Ocean X team said that they gathered their samples from around the site, but they didn't actually chip anything off of the anomaly itself. So I don't know why they brought in samples that weren't actually part of it, since that's what they were trying to analyze. But according to the team, what they sent in wasn't part of the anomaly, which means anything that he finds down there and any conclusions that he draws, of course, you're going to find all these loose pieces of sediment and maybe volcanic rocks and things that were left over from the last ice age when Doggerland was there, which we're also going to talk about in a second, what Doggerland is. But it has nothing to do with anomaly itself. And that has been taken as gospel of what this thing is. Well, it must be this natural occurrence because this fucking scientist has decided that it is from these rock samples that he got. But again, these rock samples weren't even from the anomaly, according to the team. So I don't know why they sent them in. I guess they sent them in to see what the area around it was like. But that is what everybody bases the fact that this is a natural occurrence on. I've seen a lot of strange naturally occurring rock formations and things. You know, I love to look into megaliths and all sorts of stuff. And I've seen a lot of things that they claim at least are natural and not man-made or not made by any civilization. And there's telltale signs when something is like very direct boreholes, very straight edges, um, stairs. <laughs> and when you look at this thing, and I encourage all you guys to just Google Baltic Sea Anomaly because you'll see things pop up. Now you're going to see the ones that look like a really clear picture. That is somebody who took the original sonar pictures and did an artist's representation through a 3D design to make that out of the original sonar scans so that you can kind of see what it looks like in three dimensions. The original sonar scans are pretty grainy, but it does look a lot like the 3D representation. And when you look at this thing, it just doesn't look natural. It has straight edges. Like I said, it has stairs. It has these very circular holes bored into it. And as we get into this a little bit more, you know, you're going to find a lot of things that I think will open up some questions in your mind. Does that mean 100% that it's not natural? Of course not. You know, all possibilities are open. But like I said, there's a lot of things that don't generally occur naturally. And this thing has a lot of them. So the Ocean X team, still to this day, doesn't think that it's a natural occurrence. They think that it's something else. And their biggest thought for that is the magnetic and the electrical interference and anomalies that happened when they went down around it. And that's going to lead us to our first idea of what this might be. So some people claim that this might be a Nazi bunker. Sounds pretty crazy to have a Nazi bunker 300 feet underneath the water, right? Well... According to Pravda, which is a Russian newspaper, a retired Swedish submarine officer named Anders Atalas previously speculated that the undersea object may have been the base of a structure used during World War II to block Russian and British submarine signals. 
Autolus told the Swedish newspaper Expressen that huge concrete structures were built as traps by Germany to make it difficult for Soviet submarines to navigate in the Gulf of Finland during the war. These large steel wire mesh constructions were reportedly meant to cause signal and radar problems in submarines. Sound familiar? So according to this guy, the Nazis put things at the bottom of the ocean that were these big structures that would cause anomalies and mess up people's radars and mess up their electrical equipment. And that is exactly what happened to the Ocean X diving team when they went down there. All their gadgets went off. In fact, they lost track of their rover for a little bit. They said that it kind of went off on its own and did its own thing for a while because they lost track of it and they had to get it back once it got farther away from the anomaly. So the Nazis were, as we know, way into experimenting with new technologies and figuring out unique ways to fuck up the world, right? Um, so apparently they, they put these things at the bottom of the ocean. So it sounds like a far-fetched idea when you think about it just off the top of your head, but at the same time, if you had an ocean that was being used, or a sea, I suppose, that was being used for war, and you wanted to be able to disrupt enemy signals on it, 300 feet down isn't really that far to place something. Now there's some things, some parts of this that I don't think that totally explains, so I don't know if that's exactly what I buy into, but it is a theory that holds a little bit of water. <laughs> See what I did there? Dad jokes. So another theory is, of course, the ancient UFO theory. And the biggest things that kind of add up to this one are, for one, the shape of it. It looks like the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. And, you know, that's a modern idea that was made up in, what, the 70s or something like that? So if this was an ancient UFO, then we'd have to say, okay, where did George Lucas come up with that idea for the Millennium Falcon? Did he get that idea from somewhere else? Or is it just a coincidence that he happened to know what ancient UFOs look like? But the Second biggest thing that people say that adds up to this is behind this thing, there's a thousand foot long skid mark, like it hit and then drug across the bottom. Now, that could be the fact that it was pushed by a glacier or, or during a, a deluge or something like that where it pushed it across the ground. I think that might be a little more reasonable, to be honest, in my opinion. But this thing does look like a big old UFO. And when you look at these pictures, it's the first thing that's going to pop into your mind if you've ever seen Star Wars before. Then you'd have to say, okay, well, what about the fact that we think it's rock? Well, again, the samples that were taken that say that it's rock were not taken from the anomaly itself. And if something was however old, we say at least before the last ice age, so at least like, you know, 11,000 years or, or the end of the last ice age, but that's at least, you know, this thing could be a million years old or two million years old. So something sitting there for that long could build rock over it. We have whole cultures and whole civilizations that are covered by mountain at this point, like we see in the uh, pyramids in Bosnia, where they find these giant, huge structures that were man-made get covered up by entire mountaintops. So something sitting for a very long time at the bottom of the ocean could essentially turn to stone Medusa style if it's there for long enough. So we can't count out the fact that if they drilled down into this thing, they might find that it's some sort of alloy or metal or something that we don't even recognize. We don't know that for sure because they haven't done it. So the UFO theory, again, could hold a little bit of water. And with that, we have the magnetic anomalies. 
So there's a big theory about what goes on in the Bermuda Triangle with all the anomalies that there might be some wreckage down there or there might be even a alien civilization down there at the bottom of the ocean and that that's what messes up everybody's radars and sonars and everything as they go down and causes all these planes and ships to wreck. So we might have kind of a similar situation here that there's some sort of ancient technology sitting down there and because of its magnetic or electrical properties, it's messing with things as they get close to it. So that's kind of the UFO idea. And then we have the idea that this might be an ancient megalithic structure from a lost civilization. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I believe that there was a civilization on the Earth before us. I've mentioned this in pretty much every episode that I've ever talked about because it leads into a lot of stuff. So this is the one that I like the most, and I'll tell you why. This thing's sitting at the bottom of the sea, right? And you're like, Luke, how the hell could an ancient megalithic structure be made at the bottom of a sea? How could people live down there? Were they fish people? Well, maybe, but that's not what I'm going with. So was it always a sea? There's this place called Doggerland, or maybe it's Doggerland, it's D-O-G-G-E-R, I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation. But Doggerland was an area of land that connected Britain to continental Europe. So that little island out there used to be actually connected to the mainland. And it was flooded by rising sea levels around 6500 to 6200 BC at the end of the last ice age. So as the ice and glacial period kind of ended and things were melting, sea levels rose and it covered up this land that used to connect Britain to Europe. So it seems like that general area over there used to have a lot more land and used to be a totally different um, terrain. And they didn't even know about this until the early 20th century. And the interest really picked up when in 1931, a fishing boat pulled up a barbed antler that was sitting down there. And as of 2020, they've even found evidence that shows that there has been a totally different environment down there at the bottom of the seas over there. And around that land and there was an ecological change and they even found human transition and hunter-gatherer and farming communities that were around that area. So even, what is that, 8,000-ish years ago, that land was dry. So if we're looking back 11,000, 50,000, 100,000 years, that land could very potentially have been dry land. Now, when you look at the structure, to me at least, it looks like a ancient altar of some kind. It has big steps leading up to it. It's got a flat surface on top. It has rigid walls on the side. And then you find things like these perfectly symmetrical drilled boreholes that I was talking about. There's even the idea of possible caverns or chambers inside of this thing. So if this was some sort of megalithic structure and it was sitting on this dry land and then the ice melted and a deluge came, well, it would push it, right? There's a good possibility that as the water rose, you know, we know the force of water can take out entire towns and buildings and can move pretty much whatever it wants. So it would push it across the ground, causing that drag mark to happen, especially if it was this huge, heavy stone um, cathedral or altar or some ancient structure that was built by a past civilization that was pre-Diluvian. Which, again, goes back to my idea that there was a worldwide civilization. There was something going on back then, um, way before we were. And then you get into the fact that it has these magnetic anomalies. And either it was built out of something that causes that, some sort of natural magnetic occurrence. Or maybe it had some sort of technological use like the pyramids may have had. And that's still kind of resonating down there and causing these things to happen. 
I like that idea the most, but I always kind of lean in that direction because it all ties into me. But the reason why I lean into it isn't because it's just fun for me. It's just because it makes sense because everything we seem to find when we get into these crazy things um, kind of pushes towards this lost civilization that was here a long, long time ago. And I think this is another piece to it. But again, there's, there's other options. I may be wrong. So all those findings and all of those theories and ideas are pretty wild, right? Well, what I found next, I think, is even more telling and more wild. And that's the cover-up. So I think that there's a cover-up going on here. I didn't find anybody else talking about this, so this is an original Luke idea. <laughs> um, but let me, let me let you in on it. So remember I said that I, I heard about this when it first came out. Well, I was really interested in it because I've been interested in crap like this since I was a wee little lad. But I remember looking up and finding their website and they had a whole website built around this thing and they were trying to gather funding to get a get a documentary crew to go with them and get funding to go down and really explore this thing. And there was all these people rallying behind it and pushing for it and everybody was getting all up in arms and it was all over the internet and people were trying to fund it and pushing towards it and and it was it was kind of making some headway. And even in some of the articles that I'll have linked on my site, you can still see where it says click here to see the upcoming documentary on this, but those links are dead. All that has disappeared. And what's really weird is now when you Google Ocean X, you find a completely different company. So when I was looking for this and I remembered the name Ocean X, so I looked it up and I found this beautiful, very nice professionally made site. And I was like, oh, these guys have really been making some good headway, you know, cause their old site wasn't exactly top of the line. And looking into it, this Ocean X team talks about all these great things that they're doing. They're having partnerships with scientific and philanthropic uh, entities all over the world. And they're, they're promoting keeping our oceans clean. And they're doing science and research projects all over the place. And I was like, wow, these guys have really taken a big turn from being treasure hunters and, uh, and made some good headway. But the deeper I looked into their site, I was just finding absolutely nothing about the Baltic Sea anomaly. And I'm like, you know, that was like the big thing that kind of got them in the spotlight. It's kind of weird that they're not talking about that at their site at all. So I used our old friend ChatGPT and I started asking it about this whole situation. And I said, tell me about the Baltic Sea anomaly. And it said, well, in 2011, blah, 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 everything I just told you. And then I said, okay, well, tell me about Ocean X. And it said, well, Ocean X was founded by billionaire philanthropists Ray Dalio in 2018. And then I said, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, how does Ocean X find something in 2011 when they were found in 2018? And ChatGPT, of course, is just a computer. You know, it's a search program, essentially. So it's, it didn't really understand what I was saying. And it said, yeah, it was involved in 2011 and they were found in 2018. And I said, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. And it kept confusing it to the point where it considers these two entities the exact same thing. And it says that, and it said that Ocean X found it in 2011, but Ocean X became involved in the search for it in 2012 and 2014 but ocean x was founded in 2018 so then i was like okay something something's going on here something's kind of funky if this thing can't crawl the internet and figure out exactly what's happening and and why these two companies have the exact same name which i didn't know that was even legal i guess because there are different countries that can happen but you know something something was popping some red flags into my head so i did a little more digging so i wanted to know who this billionaire philanthropist ray dalio was 
And it turns out Ray Dalio is an American billionaire investor, hedge fund manager, and philanthropist. And he is the founder of Bridgewater Associates. So if you don't know what a hedge fund manager is, uh, hedge funds are essentially what take rich people's money and then puts it places for them. Think of them as personal bankers for big, giant billionaires and corporations. And, you know, in that same group of people, we have people like Epstein, who is a, you know, investment manager. And if you don't know who he is, then... You need to do some research. And we also have people like BlackRock, who pretty much own 90% of the world and probably had a pretty big hand in what happened on 9-11 and 2001. So essentially, hedge funds and hedge fund managers are people who control the world. I mean, they have everybody's money, the biggest people you know of, and they are the ones who decide what happens to it. And these guys, Bridgewater, is no exception to the big game players here. So they manage some pretty big deals. They manage corporations like General Electric and McDonald's. They also manage world banks like the government of Singapore Investment Corporation and the Bank of Korea. And they also manage a lot of pension funds like the retirement system of Texas and the teacher's retirement system of the state of Illinois and uh, the Ontario Teacher's Pension Plan. So they have their hands in a lot of really big stuff. But the ones that really stuck out to me as I was looking through their client list is they manage assets for a number of charitable organizations, including the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation. So you can feel however you want about Bill Gates and his, well, I guess, ex-wife now. Didn't they get divorced? Or his wife? I don't know. I don't know if they got divorced. But anyway, you can feel however you want about them. But uh, they definitely have a hand in controlling the, the tide of the world and the narrative. We can, we can say that much. And also the Rockefellers. And if you don't know who the Rockefellers are, well, hold on to your hats. Because we'll do a whole <laughs> series on them at some point. Um, but they are one of the families that essentially control the world and control the narrative of everything that's going on. So why does this matter? Why does it matter that this billionaire hedge fund manager who manages money for all these world governments and for these charitable organizations that are ran by the people who literally run the world started this OceanX company? Well, there's this tactic that happens that some people pick up on and is kind of debatable, but I definitely believe it does take place where when the narrative needs to be controlled and people don't want you hearing about something and they can't just get rid of it and make it go away because we can't make something does not exist, they cover it up by creating something on top of it. And let me give you some examples. In the mid-90s, all these documents got declassified, showing that the government had a project called Project Stargate, where they were teaching people to remote view and using essentially psychic warfare and proving that psychic abilities were real. And they released just all these documents that got into the sun and got into all these big national magazines saying that we were essentially training psychic spies, even though that's not exactly what was going on. But it started to make headway. So what happens right in the mid-90s? They come out with a movie called Stargate. So then all of a sudden you start looking into these things what do you find you find this hollywood movie and then by the end of the 90s what do we have we have this movie called the matrix come out and those documents they use that word the matrix remote viewers do and so you have these two movies come out using these huge terms that are search terms for something that they don't want people talking about and could be a coincidence absolutely all these could be coincidences but it happens time and time again so what about the next one well, there is a theory or an idea that Walt Disney was frozen when he died and decided to freeze himself and is maybe even held underneath the uh, Walt Disneyland or Walt Disney World. But there's this idea that he froze himself and 
is cryogenically sitting there waiting for the world to be able to fix him so that he can live again and live forever or whatever. Well, this started making a lot of headway around the internet in the last couple years. And what happens as soon as people start talking about this a lot? We have this movie come out. And what's it called? Disney's Frozen. Now, if you go on and Google Walt Disney Frozen, what do you think is going to pop up? You just get flooded with things from this movie Frozen. You don't see any anything about uh, the quote-unquote conspiracy theory that he may have done this. Here's another one. There was a thing come out, I remember, uh, early 2000s, called the Bloom Box. And what it was is that the government, NASA, had hired a company to make a box that would use electricity and turn it into oxygen so they could use it for working on the moon and stuff like this. And there, this guy was on 60 Minutes, and this was all over the place. They were talking about this. Well, one of the engineers, they shut this program down right as they were kind of ending it. So he reverse engineered it, and he made it so that they can take oxygen and turn it into electricity. And I remember seeing interviews with the man who did this where he was talking about this box like the size of a television that you could set outside of your house and it just uses the oxygen and pulls electricity directly out of the air and you could you could use it to power your whole house you'd have free energy and i remember seeing that and like a year later i went back to look at it and guess what there's a whole nother company called bloombox that has nothing to do with that so there's this idea that when they don't want you looking into something instead of just saying it didn't happen well let's just create something bigger and stronger but kind of towards the same idea so when people start talking about this and looking up the search terms and everything it all gets guided towards that and it's this big misinformation and false information uh program that goes on and those are just a couple examples there's actually a lot of examples in fact I'll, maybe i'll do a whole episode about those sometimes about these uh redirection cover-ups because it happens all the time when when they don't want people looking at things and when you have the money of the world you literally you know control these hedge funds and things that that own everything you have i mean think about the amount of money you're controlling when you have the gates foundation the rockefellers state pension funds banks of whole countries like you can do literally anything you want so if there's a narrative that you don't want pushed you best believe that you can you can make people look in the other direction so why if this is some ancient structure or some ufo would they not want people knowing about it why this big cover-up well i just did an entire episode i believe last week called upart out of place artifacts and i go through exactly why they would want that covered up because if we threw off the whole timeline of human history or we admitted that things aren't quite what we perceive them as and what we've been told this whole time it just opens up a lot of doors that they don't want opened up and if you want my ideas about why that may be happening go back and listen to last week's episode about out of place artifacts because this is one of those this leads into that category if this is anything other than a natural structure which again it might be but i'm just not buying into it because the evidence that i've found and um, everything that I've, I've looked at just doesn't really add up to it but um, if it's anything other than a natural structure then it is very much an out-of-place artifact it's either got to be a alien artifact an ancient civilization artifact or some nazi technology they don't want people knowing about and any one of those would be a pretty good reason for people who run the world to cover it up so 
It looks to me like they created this organization as a cover-up organization. Now, does that mean that this organization isn't real? And does that mean that they did this completely to just cover up this one thing? No, of course not. It's a real organization. They're doing actually what it looks like, really good things in the world. It's just that they used that name. So when they were saying, hey, we're going to create this organization that deals with the ocean, somebody came to them and said, hey, by the way, we have this other organization we don't want people talking about. Here's the name you're going to use. So I think that, you know, it's not quite so nefarious when you think about it that way. I mean, it is nefarious, but it's not like they're like, we're going to create this multi-billion dollar organization so that people won't know about this rock we found. It's more just like, hey, we don't want people talking about this. Here's here's a good name for your company so that when people look into these things, um, they're going to be guided to you instead. You can still find a website for the original OceanX team. So you don't look up OceanX. You don't look up OceanX Explorers or anything like that. You have to look up OceanX team and you can find their original website. And it's this old grimy looking little website, but they're still posting on it. And the guys who run this um, this diving team are still active on it. And they just posted a picture last year, a new picture from the Baltic Sea Anomaly, where it is a triangle carved into the side of this thing with a borehole drilled directly into the side of it. So again, I don't know how the hell that would happen naturally. And they got pictures of the stone circles that they find outside of it and all sorts of stuff. They also talk about their other projects. You know, they're not just into this. They got a lot going on. They're looking for lost Fabergé eggs in the bottom of the sea right now. So they're just kind of modern day treasure hunters. Um, in fact, if you guys happen to listen to this, I'd love to talk to you. Maybe I'll email them. I don't even know if they speak English, but um, they're they're still out there. It just, it seems to me like this is getting covered up. And when I see something like that, you know, my, my conspiracy red flags start shooting all over the place. And I'm like, okay, so something, something else is going on here. And especially when you look into like all the so-called evidence of why they think that this was a natural structure, it just, it just is lacking. There's just not a lot to it. I think it's another case of us finding a structure, an ancient artifact off the coast where there wasn't dry land for so long ago that if we say that, yeah, a civilization built something of this magnitude in that area, we have to admit that our timeline of human history is completely off and that there was humans or some sort of civilization on this earth a very, very, very long time ago. And that opens a lot of doors that they don't want to open for a lot of different reasons. So that's my ideas on this. That's about all I found. Uh, once again, another episode ending in me saying that it's proof of ancient civilizations or maybe a, an underground civilization. I feel like all my episodes end that way. Uh, I didn't plan it that way. I actually went into this thinking that I was going to do a UFO story, but that's just not really where it added up to me in my head. Um, and, you know, but the whole point of this podcast is stolen reality. I think that our our whole human history and everything we know about ourselves and everything we know about the reality that we live in has been covered up exactly like I was just talking about. Um, that's why I started this podcast. I think it's something we need to discuss, something we need to talk about. So I would love to hear you guys' ideas on this. If you want to get a hold of me on stolenreality.com underneath the contacts page, or you can get a hold of me at luke at stolenreality.com. Or if you're on the Spotify app, underneath there's always that Q&A. So there's that little question. You can just click right on there in the app and you can answer the question. I'll have a question up about what you think about it. I would love to hear what you guys think. If you want to reach out to me for any other reason, of course, you can get a hold of me through those channels as well. And that's about where we're going to end this one today.
So, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. I highly recommend just Googling Baltic Sea Anomaly. Of course, you're going to find a bunch of things popping up right now that say, you know, the uh, Baltic Sea Anomaly explained and debunked and everything. But all you're going to find is them saying that this geologist from this one university said that he thinks it was from a natural formation from the glacier period. And uh, again, maybe that's the case. But do your own research. Look into these things. It just doesn't add up. Tell me what you think. Thank you guys for listening. I had fun with this one. I hope you had fun listening. I'll be back on Friday for a bitisode and then just, you know, just keep on the routine. So if you have any, any advice, is there something about the show you don't like or something or something you think I could do better, please let me know, guys. I, I really want this show to, to be the best it could be. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And you'll be hearing from me soon. Have a good rest of your week, everybody.